0: Today's episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And now let's start the show.
1: White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Sano. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb.
2: Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at echnerwall 23 Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, Instagram, and the show Locked on Socks is at Locked on Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Go there and subscribe right now because we're giving away prize packs and we're giving content, great content, on our YouTube page. So subscribe there, and we'll tell you later how you can become a Locked on Sox shirt winner or a prize pack winner. So with no further ado, and before that, Make sure you send our, your emails to LockedOnSox at gmail.com. And the new phone number is socks voicemail. 312. I'm trying to do this by memory. 312-566-8727. Did I do it right, Chris?
0: That's right. Yeah, you well, got let's it. Go. You let's got go. it.
2: And you know how I remember it? Because Chris Tannehill came up with a nice, <laughs> what is that, Mnemonic? phonetic, I don't even know the whole uh, <laughs> term. I don't know what you, what,
0: what you call it, yeah.
2: It's Baines, A.J., Burley, Orta, Bo, Bo. Jackson, Fisk, and Tim Anderson. So, yeah, so easy. without any further ado, here is Chris Tannehill. How you doing, Chris? Oh, I'm
0: doing fine, Herbie. It's episode 189 today. It's Monday. We'll open up the mailbag. We'll talk about lineup construction and break down the weekend that was for the White Sox with two televised baseball games. Oh, how exciting. Ooh, uh, wow. How was your weekend, Herb?
2: Man, couldn't have been better. Well I won. I was just watching that the whole weekend. All my energy and focus was on Illinois basketball, so sorry if I'm a little distracted.
0: No, no. Please walk me through what happened with the Illini. Did they get their seating yet? I heard that maybe they were uh, tickling the idea of them possibly playing Loyola, like they were they're messing with the brackets and seedings and conferences, like down the road possibly.
2: Yeah, they're the third – number one overall seed so they're number one seed in their region all the games are going to be played dandy in because of the covid situation so their first round matchups versus drexel that should be an easy walk the eight nine matchup is the second round and that's loyola chicago okay is the eight seed so if loyola wins that one they'll face the illini the only two illinois teams in this tournament. We'll have to face each other in the round of 32. Oof. Loyola really good, like Ken Palm rated top 10 team. Illinois is the number three rated Ken Palm team, so it's gonna be a battle. Illinois is gonna kill them, gonna absolutely destroy
0: them. Oh man, Wisconsin
2: beat them early in the year. It was a it was a good fight. Loyola plays good defense, but Illinois is on another level. Illinois will destroy a lot of teams, and it's not a, a thing on Porter. Or on the players, but Illinois is on a different level right now. So that's what I was focused on. But I mean, it's like uh, it's like my heaven right now. Yeah, The Illini are playing well, and the White Sox are about to start. It reminds me, and I don't want to <laughs> say anything of two thousand five when the same thing happened. Who's it, what's a Illinois? better
0: team? This current version of the Illini or the uh, 05 team with with D Brown, Luther Head, and the boys?
2: Um, just straight up. If we're saying full team, I actually give this team an edge. Mm. This team has more players that can do more things. More than, better depth. Yeah. And there's no, hey, we shut down this guy. We're good. Yeah. Their top line players in Kofi and Io DeSumo, pretty great. But then they just go really deep. And I know that, you know, you say Luther, you say D, you say Darren, and then you're like, okay, we got the, the Rev and we have James Augustine. But after that, it fell off the table kind of. The uh, line are probably six, seven, eight deep. That can really hurt you. So I would say that team had great success, national championship runner-up. I hope this team at least gets to that. That would be amazing. I, if we lose in the championship game, And then the White Sox start their season, which I don't think it lines up that way. (laughs) But I would love that the White Sox start their season that same day and then go on to win the World Series. Sign me up.
0: You'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I I hope we don't get to that point uh, with with Loyola versus Illinois. It's going to be tough between you and I. I'm kind of a Loyola guy because I I started my radio career up in Mm -hmm. Rogers Park there at WLUW. I did a radio show called The Hip Hop Project, and that was Loyola University's. Uh, radio station there so that, that's kind of how I my, my college basketball allegiance is paper thin I hate the sport of college basketball I think it's unwatchable at times unless it's the Illini they've been fun whenever I watch the Illini uh, but in general oh, college basketball is just atrocious uh, in my opinion and I, uh, I kind of had you know everything I could hope for uh, three years ago when the when Loyola made the Final Four, that was like a dream for me. I never thought that would happen. So anything else is really house money in terms of my college basketball fandom. But we're going to talk about another bracket during tomorrow's show. Probably the more famous of the two bracket style setups. Of course, it's the from the 108 tourney. Uh, we're going to talk about how we got slighted there, big time. I don't think we're going to have time to get to it today, but I think tomorrow show we'll carve out some time and talk about some of these ridiculous uh, things being said and, and 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 ill rankings and all sorts of things, ill seedings. Like it's really a, a travesty what's going on down there on the south side with those guys from the 108. But we'll get into that tomorrow. So. Weekend recap here. Sox playing two games Saturday, Sunday. It was uh, fun to watch both of these ball games. Saturday, they were on NBC Sports Chicago. Len Casper and Steve Stone on the call. That was an interesting combination. Uh, They had never worked together before, obviously. But it was fun to hear those guys. You know, we're going to get a chance to hear Len on the radio side, but hearing him on TV on on a Saturday afternoon, pretty good. And then, of course, yesterday, they had the game on MLB Network, but it was the Oakland A's broadcast. It was uh, Glenn Kuiper and Dallas Braden uh, doing the broadcast. So they had some things to say about the White Sox, which we'll get into in a second. Well, let's go back to Saturday's game, Herbie. Um, First of all, the Sox won. All right, they, they beat the uh, the Angels in that game. I believe it was 6-5. to five. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge turkle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. And we're not going to do a full breakdown post-game style of these games, but there are things that matter in these games, and we'll, we'll sort of give you the bullet points here. Jimmy Lambert started that game on Saturday. Two strikeouts and just one inning pitched. So that's something to keep an eye out on. Tony La Russa said Lambert could be in the mix to start early on in the year like right when camp started that's one of the first things he said so maybe a dark horse candidate for that fifth spot jimmy lambert keep an eye on him uh matt foster struggled a bit uh gave up two walks two hits two runs kyle kubat came on and got the win in that ball game but the story i think on saturday's game was the offense uh, you had what was basically your everyday lineup out there with a couple exceptions, but Yasmani Grandal was back in the lineup again. Finally, it's his first day back from dealing with his injury and he drew a walk in three plate appearances and um, it, the lineup overall looked pretty good. Uh, TA and Leori had two hits apiece. piece. with an insurance uh, run late in the game, a home run. Uh, Andrew Vaughn got a hit. So did Pito. Eden got a hit and uh, Luis Robert added two hits. And as a matter of fact, Here's what one of them sounded like, courtesy of Len Casper.
1: So many superlatives have been thrown Luis Roberts' direction. And a high fly sounded ball, good. well hit. And it will go! Back of the burn. As I was saying, <laughs> White Sox on the board. Boy, that had a good sound, didn't it?
2: That's first home run of the spring for Luis. And that looked to be a hanging, breaking ball. You're going to see that a lot this year, folks.
0: So, Herb, you know, it was nice to see the lineup close to what it's going to look like on opening day. We hadn't seen much of that so far early in the spring. Um, Even nicer to hear Len and Stoney on the call. And best of all, the Sox put up some good numbers against Shohei Otani. What would you make of that, the the, the lineup being uh, rolled out there the way it was? It was kind of good to see. It was a good primer for things to come, wouldn't you say?
2: Are you guys sure that uh, that hit that we just heard it was a hit? I didn't hear it loud enough. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a
0: no doubter, folks.
2: Yeah. um, <laughs> It's really good to see it. I mean, I know some were been pulling their hair out because of the lack of wins in spring games. But the you could tell this spring in particular is we're cool, dudes. We don't have a lot of minor leaguers here. But we're not going to be out here pushing ourselves nine innings to win games. I know some, maybe Tony is not comfortable with that when playing fake games, which just our practice. And so it's good to see all the guys out there and to get a dub, you know, get used to it and see major league pitching. Joy Tani is going to be a major league pitcher this year. Believe it or not, guys. And if you make a mistake in the zone versus Luis Robert, we're going to see that A couple times, as Stoney said right there, it's also good to see uh, the regulars. T.A. starting to warm up. Andrew Vaughn continuing to do Andrew Vaughn things, Pito and uh, Adam Eaton, you know, a guy that's going to be in your lineup every day. So he needs to get on base. And that's what he did uh, on the Saturdays game. So, yeah, to see the guys in uniform all together, pretty much the lineup that we're going to be seeing when they break camp and go to Anaheim. It's very, very encouraging because we're
0: right here. We are. And the lineup you mentioned, I'm glad you got to that. Um Yasmani in the two hole. You know, it, it was interesting to see him there, and we hadn't really brought that up at any point, I don't think, since Yasmani's been here, although it's almost like the perfect fit. Um we had assumed that it's gonna be Adam Eaton up there in number two, but you know, uh, Yasmani played there on Saturday, and I I like that as a look in the number two hole. What what do you think of uh of that even if it's just for one game and maybe it's a sign of things to come but what do you think about the overall concept of of Yas being in the uh, in the two hole
2: well i like the lineup to be set like guys to know hey i'm the two hole hitter type of guy so it's dependent my feeling about this is dependent on where they put yoan in that regard so if yoan is hitting like 5th or 6th i'm like i want more of yoan but the one thing Yasmani you know, does, he'll see a good pitch. He knows the strike zone. As a catcher, he knows the strike zone. He'll take pitches. And also, when you know Timmy gets on base, he'll allow Tim to steal if need be. He'll be patient enough to allow that guy to get to second, into scoring position, and possibly knock him in. You know, Johan is more of a hitter than a... Uh, batter, if you want to parse words. Grandal has the power, but also he is patient at the plate. So allow a pitcher. To, uh Yasmani will allow the pitcher to pitch all his pitches so the people behind Yasmani can see exactly what he's going to do. And then, you know, Yo will bat maybe third, fourth or fifth. You'll have Hose come up. You'll have Aloy come up. And if Yasmani has done his job in the two-hole, then these guys will know exactly what this guy is offering today. If he's on his game, if he's off his game, Yasmani will give him a great, great view of that because Tim's not that guy at the leadoff. He's not your traditional leadoff guy who's going to see a lot of pitches and work the counts. Maybe Yasmani will do that for you, but I, my heart of hearts would like Yoan Moncada and the regular lineup we had last year with Tim, Yoan, then Yasmani. Maybe a break. You will then we go to the lawyer at five. So, what about you?
0: Well, you know, I think this thing is going to be fluid because uh, Tony actually had some comments after yesterday's game, which kind of fold into this argument here a little bit. I'll play those for you in a second about Yoan hitting fourth in Sunday's game, and uh, just I looked it up. Right, pitches per plate appearance. Yasmani Grandal is is almost as good as it gets here in baseball. He was number three in twenty twenty. Uh, he saw. Just under four and a half pitches per plate appearance, four point four two pitches. Jose Ramirez uh, being the number one in all of baseball. Right. And I love Grandal because he is not afraid to, you know, just you know, leave the bat on his shoulders if need be, you know, he's not going to chase and he's not going to, uh, you know, have you up there uh, as as an opposing pitcher. Like he's not going to have you, you know, uh, give in. You know, like, he'll take his walks if need be. But also he knows when to be aggressive when the time is right. And he can pounce early in the count if he, if he you know, senses that that's when he's going to get his best pitch to hit. So I love Yasmani in the two-hole. And just the fact that you have a left-handed look there after T.A., I think that's good as well if, you, if you're if you a fan of the lefty-right, lefty-right thing. Um, Adam Eaton, in, in comparing and contrasting him with pitches per plate appearance, he sees 3.85 pitches per plate appearance, which is uh, which will get you in the top 100, but it's not quite Yasmani Grandal level elite. And I'm not saying Adam Eaton won't work in the number two hole if he's put up there because I do like his get on base at, at all costs approach. I like the left handed look there as well. Uh, he's not going to go swinging for the fences every single time. So you're basically talking about a similar type of hitter, except Yasmani will see more pitches, and I think he'll walk a bit more than Eaton will. Um, so Yohan Mankata hits fourth in Sunday's game, and after the game uh, Tony La Russa was asked about why put Yohan in the fourth spot? What do you like about him there? And then there was a follow-up about this very topic, about who he thinks is going to hit second.
1: Switch hitter, I like a lot. I think he has the ability to rise to the occasion, and that's what you look for a lot in the middle of the last, especially a fourth-place hitter who's sitting me- behind uh, a guy that is such a good hitter as Abreu, where they won't pitch around him if they respect the guy behind him, and I think um, I think he likes a challenge. Now, not to say that he may not go back to that second spot because he's you know how much I like second second hitters that can create some concern on the other side. But uh, I think all of those reasons. I mean, I, I, he's just a very talented guy, and and uh, I think we kind of think the more you ask him, the more he's going to produce. You bring up that number two spot, and we've seen so many guys there this spring already. I mean, whether it's him or Robert today, Andrew Vaughn, uh, how,
0: how nice is it? What kind of luxury is it to have a bunch of players that you can stick in that spot and, and
1: be confident in? I, I you know, I'm carefully answer that because there are going to be times, you know, when Adam Eaton hits second, you know, he's a different looking guy than than the damage guys, but he's he creates all kind of problems to the other side because you can play anything you want with him, you know, you can bunt for base hits. You can hit and run. You can get the ball out of the park. But you know, some of you may or may not remember, but the first time I ever tried it was Carlton Fisk in '83, and it it worked so good because Harold was sitting behind him that the rest of my career, great majority of the time, we had somebody like that. We always had a third place hitter that that could protect him. So the fact that we've got several guys that you know you saw Robert hit there the other day, it's a talented group. I mean, having
0: fun with it. So I think this number two whole uh, situation is going to be fluid all year long. And I, I looked it up uh, just, you know, for you-know-what's-in-giggles. Um, in Tony La Russa's World Series winners, his his teams with Oakland in 89 and the Cardinals in 06 and 2011, I went back to see because he, he put a little nugget in there. You know how much I love guys that will you know give the opposition a little headache in the number two spot. So in 1989 when the A's blitzed through the San Francisco Giants, Carney Lansford was the guy. For all four games in the World Series. That lineup was pretty static. So much talent in that lineup. And it also was kind of a different era a little bit. Um, That was sort of before... You know, you see some of the principles you have now, in, uh you know, with with guys that can do more things for you, so they can hit in different parts of the order. Got, you know, switch hitters, and and you're playing matchups, and the numbers are now a huge part of it now. So maybe Tony evolved a little bit as time went on, but maybe Carney Lansford and that team was just so damn good, it's like why mess with it? But in 2006, when the Cardinals went on to win the World Series, beating the Tigers, uh, they used three hitters in the number two spot in the lineup. That was Chris Duncan, Preston Wilson and Scott Spezio. You go to 2011, Tony uses John Jay, Alan Craig, and Skip Schumacher to uh, beat the Texas Rangers there. So, Tony, I don't think this is going to be a situation where you're going to see one guy there all year, and I, I kind of like that. Herb, you already said that you prefer one guy in the spot all year long. Tell me why.
2: It's just like guys know where they're at, especially at the top of the line- lineup. If At the back of the lineup, you're mixing things up, it's probably because the back of the lineup is more fluid. It's more players that are not going to be everyday guys and not going to be playing 140-plus games. So I want Tim knowing that he's the leadoff guy. When he's in the game, he's leading off. Johan, same feeling. If he's the two-hitter, hey, I'm the two-hitter. This is my job. This is where I'm going to be hitting. And they have that mindset. They feel they get ready for the game. As the two hitter, as the three hitter, whatever it is, I might not agree with the lineup, but for the most part, guys are creatures of habit. And so let's create that. And I would love for them just to be like, "Okay, this is what I do. Tony has set this up for me. I know what I'm going to be at the ballpark. And if two days from now I'm hitting I'm I'm a second guy today and then two days from now I'm a four hitter. I don't know what that does to guys if it's different than what back in the day, how we learned how to play baseball. If you know, your two, your second hitter approach is different than your cleanup approach. I mean, it probably will be because if the white Sox do what they can do, you're a lead off. You're a second hitter. You're going to have only one guy in front of you. You're a cleanup guy. You're going to have two, three guys in front of you on the bases as an RBI guy. And so Me not necessarily thinking there's a skill to RBI, but being proven wrong every single year by Jose Abreu, (laughs) I think there might be an RBI thing where guys maybe not rise to the occasion, but just stay that same level throughout, whether a guy's on base or a guy's not on base. So I think there is a a talent to that. And if he's looking for that switch hitter, Yohan and Yasmani are both switch hitters. Different type of hitters, but both switch hitters. So I would say I like that, breaking those two guys up, Yohan and Yasmani, so you can have switch hitters like on the outside of Abreu. But I would say more Yoans to Yasmani is the four if you're going to do that.
0: Yeah, you certainly make a compelling argument. And I, I one thing I do know is I don't like Yoan in, in the cleanup spot. Like he's never really... Hit there effectively, and it's a guy. He's still so young in his career, and yes, he's got in the perfect situation where he's got talent behind him. But he's still a guy that's been all over the place in his in his career in the lineup, and I think he's been most effective in that two hole. And now that he's finally feeling healthy again, I, I think why why mess with that? But I do like the fact there are that we're having this conversation that multiple guys can hit second for you because I do think it's an important spot in the lineup uh, when you're when you're talking about. Pouncing on teams early because when you have this bullpen that the Sox have, you can sort of really set the whole game up like around the third inning. Like if you could pounce on a team in the first couple innings, you, you the rest of the game really takes shape. And we're going to get to that in the next segment here. What Dallas Braden had to say. About the White Sox, he did the call uh, for Oakland A's TV today. But yeah, I, I you know I, I tend to agree with you. You make a good argument there. Uh, you know I, I think you've been working uh, with me too long about the RBI argument. I think my, my influence is certainly rubbing off on you in terms of guys being natural born uh, run producers. Mm-hmm. And you know the you know Bernstein calls it like the it's not clutch, but it's the absence of suck. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that 's that 's uh, the best way to put it there that guys, like you said, they sort of stay uh, at their same wavelength there and no matter what the situation all right we 're going to take a quick time out. And when we come back, we'll tell you what the A's broadcast had to say about the White Sox, and we'll uh, go over some of the uh, the, the bullet points about Sunday's victory against the A's in Mesa. Back after this on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over, yes, but NBA, NHL, MLB futures, and college hoops, they're all in full swing. Herb, what are you looking at? Tournament time's always big. You're gonna. There's a lot of money to be made during the tournament, a lot of money to be lost, too. Uh, anything you're looking at here as the tournament gets underway this week?
2: Yeah, with my Illini playing this uh, past Sunday, they played for the Big Ten Championship, and I saw a team that I like. You know, I won't bet on the Illini, which you can here in Illinois, If you really want to, on BetOnline.ag, they're an offshore site. So you want to bet versus the Illini and have them go all the way to the final four or cutting down the nets, do it. But I saw the other team I want to vote for, or I want to put my money behind, and that's the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I'm going to BetOnline.ag and putting all my money on the good value you can get right now on the Ohio State Buckeyes, even in the first-round matchup versus Oral Roberts, or to go all the way to the Final Four, or to cut down the nets. It's all in the same place. It's in Indianapolis this year, so there's no travel. So I think Ohio State and Big Ten teams especially have a distinct advantage being in the facilities and being in the area for the last week plus.
0: Interesting. So you can bet on anything you want practically on betonline.ag, including award shows, TV shows, and reality TV And these odds are updated in real time. There's props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. And it's the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code, LOCKEDON, at betonline.ag march madness is here and that means bracket challenges join our locked on listener bracket challenge group on espn submit your march madness picks beat your favorite hosts and if you win you will get a guest appearance on locked on today our daily news podcast the link to join in the show notes of this episode so check that out in our show notes and get your picks in today all right herb i mentioned the white Sox; they played the a's yesterday and they won. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studs Turtle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. Uh, it wasn't uh, a, a masterpiece uh, by any means. The Sox win 1-0 over the A's at Ho-Ho Camp Park in Mesa. Uh, Lance Lynn started. He was solid as usual. Evan Marshall, who's just been awesome this spring, he's allowed nothing. He struck out four in just an inning and two-thirds. Uh, Aaron Bummer came on, one inning, one strikeout. Cody Hoyer was nasty again. He's given up nothing this spring. Uh, Four innings pitched, no earned runs this spring. Uh, Fifteen strikeouts from the White Sox pitching staff today. Uh, The lone run coming off the bat of who else but Matt Reynolds.
2: I mean, who doesn't know and love Matt Reynolds? He's going to be a key cog of the White Sox 2021 championship team.
0: Absolutely. There was talks about us changing the name of the show to Locked On Matt Reynolds. Uh, I don't know whatever became of that. legal. There was issues with legal. I don't know. It was a very messy situation. Um, but the by far, if you haven't seen this catch yesterday by Oakland A's center fielder Buddy Reed. Hey, buddy. Uh, he was acquired in the Jerks and Profar trade from the Padres. He was the player to be named later, and he's killing it for the A's this spring, and he made an amazing catch robbing jose abreu of a home run go back and check it out if you have the means but here it is right here so you can let that phone ring come regular season that one's hit center field and it's hit well reed to the wall reed at the wall he leaps and he caught it the buddy reed show continues in the desert
1: now he had just enough time to get back and time his leap and he timed it perfectly Well, he did everything right. Ball
0: off the bat, loud noise, you gotta get back. So once you do, touch the head, starts running. Ball, wall, ball. You watch him check the ball, you watch him check for the wall, and now he's back on the ball. Elevate, go get it, buddy. Let me tell you about my best friend. I'll be your buddy, Buddy Reed. Thank you, Dallas Braden. Oh, um, I went with my buddy. Yeah, I think that's what he was going for. That's the same thing I thought when I was watching that. I was like, yeah, hey, he's, he's, he's he's crossing the, the references here, the my buddy, uh, and, and uh, let me tell you about my best friend. Of course, my buddy and kid sister, uh, the very popular kid's toy in the 80s. I think that's what he's thinking of, but mm-hmm. he maybe he couldn't remember the jingle. But that catch, if that happened in the regular season, it would be up for – uh, one of the plays of the year, no doubt, and Pito he got all of that one, as as you heard. I heard you you make the the sound after hearing that ball off the bat. He hits it 411 feet out to straightaway center, and Buddy Reed, of course, robs him as Buddy Reed is one to do there. But uh, that was by far the most exciting thing of that ball game today. Uh, that and the White Sox pitching just absolutely uh, filthy dominant, and we talk about this bullpen and how you can really sort of bring the hammer down on teams late in the game. Uh, Dallas Braden knows a thing or two about pitching, and they started, you know, had this conversation about what the White Sox look like uh, to the Oakland A's broadcast. Jose Ruiz, another strikeout on a breaking ball. So, two outs here in the bottom of the
1: night. You've got a good look at some of the potential back in weaponry for the Chicago White Sox they 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 have I mean their roster pretty much have has everything that you need to be a winner and and again I, I hate to hate to beat a dead horse but that's why it just it made me feel like them sort of sitting and
0: watching the game unfold I like mm-hmm. them no, we get a stop or we're going to be all right yeah, man, so the league is starting to take note about the White Sox bullpen, and I just I can't wait to see them in action. I can't wait to see how they're deployed. And I know it's just spring, but the fact that these guys are still high 90s, painting corners already here in spring, uh, it's a good sign. And, again, I keep harping back to this, but I cannot wait to watch the bullpen come in and, and lay the hammer down on, on opposition.
2: And usually, uh, Arizona's really dry, so you're not getting the grip that you get when you come up north. You get a little bit more. Your your, uh, fingers are a little bit better acclimated to the ball, and, of course, it's colder in Chicago, so the pitchers are going to be more dominant in the early months. So, yeah, to see Evan Marshall, and great job by Pitching Ninja, putting these films out there of filthy pitches, because Evan Marshall had this slider that, it was like, I can't hit it. Like, it started high and then just dropped in the middle of the zone. And the hitter's like, yeah, come on now. I mean, what the hell? I can't hit that. And then I always say that about Evan Marshall. Like, he's the forgotten man. He's not even a guy that I think is going to be 7th, 8th, or ninth inning guy consistently. And he's that filthy. One of the guys who I think is Hoyer, also on Pitching Ninja today, filthy. Absolutely filthy. filthy just a dominant closer type pitcher that's why I was fine with him if being the closer if the White Sox had not got out and got Liam Hendricks but yeah they're 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 pitching staff um Aaron Bummer is another guy out of the bullpen that's also filthy so it's troubles and then we haven't talked about Michael Kopech or Garrett Crochet who's pitch who both pitch in this um this spring this spring so far and so yeah we're gonna have a bullpen that is the envy of every other bullpen in the major leagues i know some have the yankees graded ahead of us but i don't see it from top to bottom of the white Sox bullpen and he was just talking about ruiz he's probably not even gonna be on the team
0: he's gotten That's, better too i think like he looked yeah. he looked really good today
2: yeah so like that guy's just gonna be in reserve somewhere in like Charlotte or maybe even in the alternate site. So, yeah, they got that's the one real strength I love our offense, but I think our bullpen is the hugest strength about the White Sox's White Sox roster.
0: Yeah, if you go to Evan Marshall, he's a fun follow on Twitter, by the way, Evan Marshall E Marsh 31 uh, He retweeted the, the Pitching Ninja video with, uh, I made it! Exclamation points, hashtag Ninja Gang and he made a joke earlier in the week uh, he, he had a video of his old backdoor slide ball uh, hashtag backdoor bandit uh, and also he made a joke about how he is like the soft tosser, like in, in the low 90s he's like the soft tosser in the White Sox bullpen, so like, you know He's a guy that that came on, you know, rose to prominence last year when he was put in a spot where we weren't so sure he was going to succeed as the setup man when when the Sox had some injuries, when Bummer went down. And he, you know, he rose to the occasion, man. And now look at him. Like, you know, he's like one of the the more fun guys to watch, and he's getting better every year. And it's an embarrassment of riches for this White Sox bullpen. We're going to take a quick timeout, and maybe we'll have enough time to open up the mailbag just a little bit here on Lockdown White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. We've been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. I'm waiting for my package to arrive this week. I got 24 pack coming. I've got my coconut, I've got my mint chocolate in there, I've got my German chocolate cake, which I'm excited to try, Cherry Barcia in the mix there. I'm looking forward to my new order. Should be arriving this week because I've been doing really good. I've been, I've been a good boy staying away from the sweets, and I've been substituting my sweets with Bilt Bar. So at the end of the night, after dinner, I'll like to have a little dessert So desserts are no longer a thing, but I will have a Built Bar because it's a perfect snack for right before you go to bed. After dinner, it gives me, satisfies the sweet craving that I always have. And also, it doesn't have any of the sugar that I normally would be consuming with cookies and ice cream and cake and all that other stuff that's bad for me. But Built Bar, good for me, all right? So I'll just put it like this. I'm down about six pounds here over the past month or so after making that transition. I can't attribute it all to Built Bar, of course, but it's been so critical into helping me achieve my fitness goals. But now you can find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Go to built bar on twitter that's bar underscore built and find out about today's matchup then of course go to builtbar.com and order yourself some built bars as well and if you use our promo code locked 15 that's a new promo code folks locked 15 it'll get you 15 percent off of your next order that's locked 15 for 15 percent off your order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar We're counting down the days to opening day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Next Wednesday, March 24th, the Locked On MLB Podcast begins one of our biggest events of the year, Locked On MLB Division Preview Series. All of our local experts in every MLB market answer the biggest questions around each team. There is no better or easier way to get baseball smart before opening day. Subscribe today to Locked On MLB on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. And a note about that, speaking of division rivalries, we're going to talk to our guy Chris from Locked On Tigers this Wednesday. So put a note on your calendar. Uh, you'll know everything you need to know about the Tigers, which I don't know how much you need to know about them. But, you know, we certainly love seeing them in 2020. I think maybe uh, we'll love seeing them just slightly less so this year because they are a little bit better. Uh, but the White Sox are a little bit better, too. So we'll get the lowdown on everything going on with the Motor City Kitties from our guy Chris Castellani at Locked On Tigers. Should we open up the bag real quick?
1: Let's do it. A lot of emails we're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. email, email.
0: We love your emails too. Mailbag Monday is kind of not really a thing as much anymore with uh, so much happening in Glendale. So we still will get to your emails slowly but surely over the course of the week now that we have three-segment shows. Uh, So how can people get their emails to us, Herb? Send them to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Send your questions, comments,
2: whatever, to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. And, of course, our new voicemail, 312-566-8727.
0: Absolutely. We got an old friend here, old friend Sam from Hinsdale. It's been a while since he's hit us up. He says this. My question is, have you guys noticed the last couple years that the White Sox never seem to have any night home games during Sunday evenings. Of course, if the team performs up to expectations, hopefully Guaranteed Raid Field will be host to more ESPN Sunday night baseball games fixed in. Because I, for one, would love to attend one or two if and when the team does because I think nothing beats ending the weekend with an evening at a baseball game. Anyways, what are you guys' thoughts? That's from Sam in Hinsdale. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for reaching out once again. Yeah, Herb, uh, none on the schedule this year. No uh, White Sox Sunday night home games, uh, but they are opening the weekend, first Sunday night baseball game of the year, at the Angels against Joe Madden's Angels, and it should be a fun one, April 4th. Uh, that's a 7:30 start time on ESPN. But yeah, man, no home games, and it kind of sucks. They did have one last year, uh, against the Indians, and you know it was a game that was pretty forgettable. Extra innings, rain, of course it was. You know what I mean? I like that game. Yeah, it was bad. Shane was, Bieber, uh,
2: James McCann hit a homer off of Shane Bieber. Yeah,
0: he did. But that was the only one that we saw. Um, so you know the schedule set in stone for the for Sunday night baseball. I don't think they do a lot of flexing. You yeah, flexing, Uncle June? Um. You know, typical stuff here, ESPN, Yankees, Mets to close the year. Then, of course, Red Sox, Yankees. Um, you know, they they got a lot of Braves love this year, and rightfully so. They're in the postseason a lot uh, recently. You know, you get your Padres and Dodgers, Phillies, you know, skewing East Coast, Cubs, Cardinals, too, in there a little bit. Uh, interesting one, May 16th, Cardinals-Padres. That's mm-hmm. an odd one that maybe you I could mean-
2: – they battled versus each other in the playoffs. That's probably why. Yeah.
0: So, but yeah, the White Sox. You know, savor the flavor. Don't blink; you'll miss them on Sunday night baseball this year, April fourth against the Angels. There. So yeah, disappointing though, isn't it that there's no, uh, you know, Sunday night home games like Sam wants.
2: Yeah, I don't know if that's a product of the matchups because I think most of the matchups versus the Twins, which you know, Twins or the Cubs would be my automatic thinking of this is the game that they will play. So early they play the twins in May a lot. So they play them during the week. So it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then immediately they play them on that next Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'm looking at all these games on Sunday that would be eligible. The Indians are a lesser team. The Royals know the Royals again, and maybe that Yankees game. But the thing is later in the year, they're going to be playing the field of dreams game on a Thursday for the Yankees. And I think that's on ESPN. So that could kind of be like (laughs) the Sunday night game, but during the middle of the week. Um, So I think it's more, not that the white Sox didn't earn it. It's their opponents. I'm looking at all of them and the home games are not very appetizing. I mean, the tigers, the Mariners in June on Sunday and then July, it's the Astros, which maybe. If they think the Astros are going to be any good, that would be a good uh, place to put them. But all their twin series games are all during the middle of the week, which is weird as hell to me. Yeah, very weird. Very odd.
0: It's not how it used to be where you can like close out a big homestand against a division rival and and really feel good, you know, ending the week and ramping up towards a big division matchup like on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's not, not quite how it used to be, but yeah, we'll, we'll make do. But I'm sure, Sam, next year, the Sox will be there plenty, uh, especially if they're uh, if they're hoisting that World Series trophy. Maybe they'll open up the year. Uh, in uh, on the south side as they raise that banner, hopefully. But uh, that's all I got tonight, Herbie. Tomorrow uh, we're gonna get to this 108 tournament, okay? And mm. we'll talk about how we were slighted. We'll preview some of the interesting matchups, and uh, yeah, we'll 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 keep it moving and uh, talk about how those guys how they apparently just want to you know shit on us. So that's all I got to Wednesday. We'll do our division preview with the Tigers, and you can uh, email us, uh, get in touch with the voicemail. Which is, of course, three one two five six six eight seven two seven. 566 8727 Sorry for stealing your thunder there at the end of the show, but that's all I got. Happy Monday, everyone.
2: All good. That is Chris Tanhill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence, Eckner Wall 23 on Twitter. And our show is at Locked on Socks Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go there. Subscribe. We're sending out prize packs to local or loyal uh, viewers of our YouTube s- channel. So we don't know if you're a viewer. Unless you subscribe. So go there, subscribe, and maybe you will be randomly selected. (laughs) Hilarious. So random. Um, What was that? Sorry. It's so random. Oh, very, very random. (laughs) So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on this Monday edition of Locked on Socks.